Chapter 28, The Woman with Lights in Her Eyes We walked down to the museum tavern at the top of Coptic Street. Coming through the open door from the street, I see the same men reading their newspapers at the bar from before. I now know the NPCs keep to their stations, never wandering far from where they are assigned. There's a player there, too. He's still there. Maybe it's a weird grindy quest to collect as many pints as possible. I ask him as he's the one who shouted at the warm one the previous time where the woman has gone. Which woman? He looks at me with narrowed eyes. I know he knows who she is, but for some reason he doesn't even want to speak her name. The woman whose eyes come out like train lights. You know who I mean. He looks into his beer. She'll be here soon. She's always here. She shouldn't come here. She's not welcome. There's places for them and this isn't one. Lacoze buys me a beer while we wait. I'm thinking over what I'm about to do. Who knows what Lacoze is thinking? Time goes by. Eventually, he glances up. She's here. I see the same shrinking back I observed the first time. The NPCs and the players there are afraid of her. She represents something alien to them. She's neither player nor NPC. Emptied of mind, emptied of sanity, but she still lives. She has a half-digital, half-organic life, and they're terrified. The rough man turns to me with panic in his eyes. Tell her to go. Just tell her to get the hell out of here. She's come for you. She thinks you can help her. That makes me feel worse. What do you mean she's come for me? You said she comes all the time and I'm not here all the time. The rough man gestures at me and Lacoves. Your type, people like you, people come from the other place. I realise he means players. So the woman with the lights in her eyes is haunted by dreams of what she once was. Once she was a player and now she's a... I don't even know what she is. Lacoves goes to stand at the pub's threshold and she hovers there. Once again, it seems as if she can't cross this barrier. More mysteries, and I have no idea why that should be, but that's the least of my concerns right now. She stands there, her mouth clicking. Electric, abomination, avenue, ascendance. Drool runs down the corner of her mouth. Lacoze says, I bet she says Azathoth next. But she doesn't. She repeats the same nonsense words. Lacoze asks, how are we going to get her to Crowley's place? I'm debating the detail of what I'm about to do. I have a sour taste in my mouth. I go to her and link her arm, but she shrinks back from my touch. Lacoze is on the other side of her now. With more force than me, he takes her by the elbow. In a sweet tone, he says, Come now, why don't you come for a little walk with us? I take her other elbow and she's pinioned between us. You have committed a disreputable act. Minus twenty reputation. Even the game recognises what I've done's bad. The crowd in the pub watches intently, saying nothing. Then she goes off like a firework, shrieking, snatching herself free from our grasp and running with the clattering motion of a deranged automaton down the street. The NPCs don't do anything, but I can tell who the player characters are even when they don't reveal their names, because they are standing and staring at this insane woman running down the street. I could let her go. That might even be the kind thing to do, but I need her, like a commodity. Come on, I shout at Lacoze, and I'm off herring down the street. After two hundred yards, the woman's energy is dissipated, and she comes to rest with her forehead against the door of a shop. She's muttering to herself, her back heaving with sobbing agitation, but I can't make sense of a word she's saying. More tentatively this time I take her elbow. I feel like the slaughterman taking a cow to the abattoir, but showing it some kindness on the way, pitiful and cowardly. Lacoze is with me, and together we usher her down the street in the direction of Crowley's apartment. She tries to break free on the corner of Great Russell Street, but I have her fast. I see how tight Lacoze is holding her. 
Then all the fight goes from her and she relaxes into her fate. Do you think they're really people still? I ask. But I don't want to hear his reply if it's yes. Diplomatically, Lacose keeps his mouth shut on the matter. It takes us fifteen minutes to walk her to Crowley's front door. I lean and twist the knob with my free hand and we manoeuvre her into the entrance hall of the house with its Victorian tiles. The man I saw on the first day, the man who shares this house with Crowley, whoever he is, is coming down the stairs. He smiles and nods at us without the slightest sign anything is amiss. I guess he's not programmed to be alarmed by such sights, unlike the men in the museum tavern. We take her up the stairs to Crowley's room. I don't bother to knock before I twist the handle and push the door open. I hear Crowley's voice welcoming me from inside. Lacoze nods and lets go of the woman's arms. I won't be coming in, he says. I'll wait outside. I shrug and nod. I would have liked him there for moral support, but I understand he doesn't want to meet Crowley. I wouldn't either. I step into Crowley's room with the woman. She doesn't fight, but her jaw is trembling. Crowley steps up from his seat and says, A woman? I don't know why, but I thought you'd bring me a man. He smiles. Did you have much trouble? He asks the question as if he had sent me on an errand for a packet of cigarettes. I shake my head. He studies her again as if still amazed by her femininity. She begins a low drone from her mouth, and once again I think of cattle waiting for an executioner who stands with a bolt gun in his hand. It's almost like she knows what's going to happen, but how could she know anything? She has no mind left. Good, he says finally, and here is your reward. You have succeeded in the quest of the warm one, 2,000 XP. You're awarded five pounds. The XP is enough to make me level. Level up. Congratulations, you are now level six. Now maybe I have the skill points to enable me to learn the recipe for the elixir. And the mercury, I say. He nods. Of course, I never welsh on my side of a bargain. I take the mercury bottle from my inventory and place it on the occasional table beside his armchair. He picks it up casually and mutters some ritual incantation, and the bottle glows with an orange aura. I smell dry earth and sunflowers. Outside a shadow crosses the sun, but then the magic is done. I want to be out of there before he does what he will do to the woman, so I put the quickened mercury in my inventory and hope it's sufficient now to act as a solvent for the elixir of life. Crowley studies the muttering woman. He strokes her right cheek with the back of his hand and arranges her dirty hair, pulling a curl back over her ear. All the while she mutters nonsense, then begins chanting under her breath the name Azathoth. I should be going, I move towards the door. Crowley puts up his hand. Don't you want to see what happens to her? If you're going to do acts of wickedness, you should at least be brave enough to see them out. I think of Miranda. This was never an act of wickedness. It's the only way I can rescue a woman I love, or a woman I don't really know, but who I thought I loved. As I hear the muttering woman, I know there is no good without evil, and this is my evil. I won't be a man if I don't own it, but I don't want to own it. No, I'll go. You don't need me here for this. Crowley turns his wicked smile on me. No, you will stay. Anger flashes up in me, and for an instant I think of taking my pistols from my pockets and shooting him in the face. But I don't. Instead I stand. He's right. It seems even the devil can teach morals. If I've consigned her to oblivion, at least I should witness it happening. Crowley bends toward the woman, cupping the back of her head with his hands. His fingers entwined through her hair as he draws her in like a lover. I see saliva drooling from the corner of her mouth, but Crowley kisses her, at first tentatively like it's their first date, 
then more urgently. She begins to kiss him back. I'm repulsed. Then she and he enter into the most passionate sexual kissing. I feel like throwing up. How can she want this? What is going through her head that she should welcome the kiss of this ugly, malevolent man? Then, like a burrowing worm, he pours himself into her. His body deflates like a party balloon, and I hear the clump of his shoes as they fall from his empty feet. His trousers and braces lie in a heap on the floor, and his jacket slides down her arms and away as he enters her head and becomes her. I think of some parasitic wasp eating an animal from the inside out. Then the woman twists her neck as if it was stiff and raises her arms to stretch the sleep out of them. Lights no longer come from her eyes and instead of her damaged humanity, a wicked machine intelligence shines. I wonder whether I have witnessed the birth of some new kind of creature, half-human, half-algorithm. The Crowley woman looks at me and smiles. In a light voice she says, Thank you, Adam. You have no idea how happy you've made me. I will be forever in your debt. She looks around with a smile. Just to think I am free now to leave this place. She gestures around the narrow room with its books and dark wood furniture. For the first time I can step out into the street and explore the world. Her voice rises in excitement. Yes, the whole world lies before me. I'm sickened. I feel nauseous. I don't reply. Instead, I barge my way out of the room. At the door, I turn to see the woman is all smiles and following me down the stairs. Wait for me, she shouts in her girlish sing-song. But instead of waiting, I redouble my speed and burst out of the door. The co stands outside. When the woman pushes past him and leaves the house, the expression on her face is one of bliss as she looks up to see a world that through Crowley's eyes was limited to the view from a window. Then she turns and eyes Lacoe's up and down. And who is this handsome chap? Lacoe's recognises her, of course. He looks amazed as if finally something has surprised or shocked him. He glances at me as if for confirmation and I nod. Let's get out of here. But the woman won't let him go. She places her hand on his forearm and he lets it rest. Do you want to have sex? She says, tilting her head to one side. I've never had sex before. But then she gives a disgusting belly laugh and winks but I've read plenty about it. I start walking off, grabbing at Lacoze's arm to pull him after me. Lacoze follows me, looking over his shoulder to where the Crowley woman is waving at him. That is the most freakish thing I've ever seen or heard, he says. I'm thinking of Miranda. I'm thinking of the woman with the lights in her eyes and wondering where she's gone. We need to go and see Cowper, I say. I need to know whether I have enough skills to make the elixir of life. <laughs>